Okay. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to On Purpose. Um, I'm Dr. John Duffy, and with me, is, as always, is my co-host, award-winning Chicago Tribune columnist and very healthy Heidi Stevens. <laughs> I think people wondered if we were ever coming back. I think uh, well, we canceled it, and right. it's, just, it's been like like Will and Grace or something. It's been, right? right? The, the people wouldn't have it. Right. This is the on-purpose reboot. Yeah. <laughs> this is the year of reboots, right? Aren't they? Yeah. They're doing like Beverly Hills 90210 is Absolutely. back. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So. so this is our whole new take. Right. Yeah. yeah. On what we used to do way <laughs> back three weeks ago. <laughs> back three weeks ago. <laughs> Back in July, before I went on vacation, and then you went on vacation. Yes. Yeah, and then I got sick. You got briefly. sick. Briefly, yeah. I'm yeah. fine now. I had an eye thing. I thought I was going blind. I actually did think I was going blind briefly. I, I wasn't. But um, but yeah, I had this weird eye thing. Um, I don't know really how it started, but um, I ended up with cellulitis, which is like all the tissues around your eyes get inflamed and yeah. infected and whatever. I'm on medicine, and I'm fine now. Yeah, um, But yeah, it was a weird a weird thing for a few days had to be yeah yeah i mean the idea of let me think about this but i was thinking like how terrifying even if you hear that from a doctor in a moment how terrifying that is yeah where you think like oh everything up till now was kind of normal in my life it's kind of like getting a cancer diagnosis or you know like every time i go to the doctor i have this little tinge of anxiety like this is going to be the day. This is going to be the my one. My life changes now. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. Yep. Yeah. And I don't want to overplay what I went through because it was a tiny, tiny, tiny thing, um, especially compared to what a lot of people go through. But sure. it, but it it is a weird thing when you when you see multiple doctors and they give you multiple answers mm-hmm. and no one's quite sure what's going on, you know, and it's your sight and it's your, you know, your eyes are pretty close to your brain. And so all that yeah. stuff is, you know, momentarily like, ah. yeah, um, but the head is something I think we take pretty seriously. Yeah, yeah. I, I would like my head to remain mostly healthy. Intact. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I am I am fine. Thank you for uh, letting me vent about that for a little while. But yeah, that's so that was where we were for the third week. Yeah. Vacation, vacation, eye problems. Yep. Here we are back. Yeah. We're um, on purpose 2.0. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know. We this we haven't really figured out what exactly we want to talk about today. I think we can talk about everything. And... Let's let's uh, I, I think in 2.0, we just kind of go. Let's go. Yeah. Okay. And this and we'll come up with solid hard answers to everything we bring up. Okay, good. Oh, oh, wait. <laughs> oh, wait. That this is, is 1.0. <laughs> <laughs> that is new. I'm not good at answers. I'm good at questions. Um, I don't know. So I this happens to me when I whenever I go on vacation, um actually I think it is mostly vacation induced, but I'm having this like existential crisis right now where I partly feel like what's the point of it all? What's the point of my job? What's the point of the way I'm approaching my job? What's the point of life itself when Trump is president and you try to have a thoughtful discussion with someone and it turns into an argument? So maybe you shouldn't try to have thoughtful discussions because they're just going to turn into arguments and do arguments ever change anyone's mind? Not really. And I have a fresh thing to be outraged about every morning. Am I really going to just put new outrage into the world every morning? I don't want to do that. I don't want that to be my job. I don't want that to be my legacy. What is my job? What is my legacy? How big is my ego? If I'm sitting here thinking about my job and my legacy, I need to go back on vacation. So that's where I am just sort of like mentally right now. Have you had caffeine since you've been back? I have mainlined caffeine. I feel like it like counteracts the antibiotics that I'm on. It, it might it might actually just amp it all up. But yeah. So you bring up good points. 
points, though. <laughs> I mean, I, I totally get that. There's something about when we get out of context, and I felt the same. I was in Switzerland. Yeah. And we were talking. I was in Greensboro, North Carolina, which is the Switzerland of the South. It absolutely yeah. is. Yeah. Well known as <laughs> right. the Switzerland of the South. Uh-huh. Right. And there's a hill. Right. There I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there is. I drove down it in my Honda. Mm-hmm. Anyway, go on. So, um, and, and whenever I get out of context, and it could be North Carolina where I vacationed a, a number of times, or it could be Switzerland or Iceland where we went last year. Um, Julie and George and I like to get away and kind of have a little culture of three where we explore some corner of the planet. And whenever we do that, I find myself in the same existential crisis you're describing, where it's like, what am I doing? You know, like, why am I working all the time? And what is, is anything really going to get solved? And is it on me to solve it? And why don't we just take it easy, like the Swiss, and right. just hang out and walk our dog? <laughs> I, I want hiking boots that are, like, beat up, you know? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Not just that I wear because, you know, they look right in the city, you know? Right. Like, <laughs> they go well with my jeans. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. And my vest that I wear every day. Right. Uh, right. No, but... but the, It's easy to go into a different culture and think, like... They're doing it right, Absolutely. and we're doing it wrong, yeah. and and that actually might be the case. It certainly but... sometimes seems like it. I mean, when you think stress-wise, right, mm-hmm. you think like all the things that you just enumerated. You know, it's like, I don't think these people worry about that. You yeah. know, a lot of people on the planet don't aren't always like pressing and striving every single moment of every single day. Right. Yeah. But does it feel like in America right now, we don't have the luxury of... <clears throat> relaxing and and not feeling sort of constantly like there's a problem that we need to hone in on home in on and then come up with a solution for it, which again is like how big is your ego if you think you can just go around finding the world's problems right. and solving them. But at the same time, are we really gonna sit by when like families are being separated at the border and all of these terrible things are happening and worry more about whether we're getting enough hiking in. I mean, I'm not even, I don't even have an answer because we don't have answers to anything. No, But but these are the things I'm wondering about. And then we both come back from vacation and being sick and there's two mass shootings right off the bat. And then there's discussions about, you know, white supremacy and male anger that rises out of feeling isolated and all of these things that I think are, you know, tangentially or in your case, quite directly in our wheelhouse, yep. right? And so you sort of do feel a responsibility to be grappling with it all, at least, if not solving any of it. I think you're right. I think, uh, I hope that most of us feel, bear some responsibility for fixing what we've collectively broken, mm-hmm. you know? Um, I don't know if everybody feels that way, but I absolutely do. I think a lot of people do. And, um, and yet, I'm not sure where balance falls into that. You know what yeah. I mean? Because like, you know, you could we we could spend the rest of our lives every waking moment trying to do that. And I don't know if that is satisfying. I don't know if that is productive. I don't know if it's useful. I don't know if it ever gets to the point of doing it. Yeah. Um, and yet can you abandon the projects because, you know, well, I can't solve this alone. Right. You really can't, I don't think. I don't think so either. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I talked to a woman yesterday who I'm going to write about in a couple of weeks. She's doing this really cool project where she's um, organizing two busloads of people from Evanston to take a trip to Alabama on a, they're calling it the uncomfortable journey. And her solution is 
have fewer, maybe to the point of no, conversations or arguments online and work to have more conversations face-to-face. Okay. Comfortable, uncomfortable, you know, contentious, not contentious. Um, I kind of like that. I mean, that 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 feels more like not giving up, but also directing our time and energy into something a little more useful than just fighting with each other on Facebook. What do you you make of – this is something I think about a lot. I kind of grapple with. Um, the idea of being able to fight on Facebook or Twitter, is that is does that add to the discourse or is that just noise? You know, I, like I have friends who will spend hours engaging in somebody, you know, who's clearly trolling. And one friend of mine would say, yeah, but I still get my point across. So it's worth it. It's mm-hmm. worth getting, you know, and there's a few there's enough followers here where I feel satisfied that these people will see my righteousness in the argument. Yeah, I don't know. I I Speaking for myself, I, I rarely have read a comment or a, you know, Twitter thread that has changed my mind about something, right. I guess. Um, but I do often walk away feeling like I better understand the other side of a topic um, or, you know, that I see where someone's coming from in a way that I wouldn't have otherwise because I don't have any friends who think like that or none yep. of my family members think like that. or And so I guess it's still useful. I, I guess it depends on your goal. Like, are you going around trying to change people's minds or are you going around trying to present, you know, the other way of thinking um, so it's out there for people to digest? I- so, so what's the nature of the uncomfortable tour? So uh, I'm thinking far too often in conversation – we have the ease of confirmation bias. In other words, like we find people who think like we do and we have we create our common enemies. Right. right? Yeah. Know? They're going to a specific two specific museums that are dedicated to social justice and racial justice. And they're going to tour them together. It's going to be she's guessing and I'll I'll write about this in September before they go. Um, painful and um you know, depending the 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 busloads of people are, um, you know, range in age from eighteen to eighty, and are from every socioeconomic and racial and religious background, and so obviously different people are going to experience these exhibits um, in very different ways, yep. right? Depending yep. on their lived experiences, and then they're all going to be on a bus That's riding home from it together. Yep. Um, it sounds really really cool. Yeah, I'm so glad she's doing it. Um, but it's the kind of stuff that I think, you know, if you have that experience shoulder to shoulder with someone and then sit face to face with them, um, maybe some real learning and changing and growing happens. If those same people just argued about some of those topics with each other online, I don't know if that same kind of change and growth would happen, right? For almost certainly not. Yeah. That's a really good point. And I picture the bus ride down. Um, almost being, I can't imagine that you're not finding more in common with each other mm-hmm. than you don't. And I, and I think that's starting to feel cliche. You know what I mean? This idea like, oh, we Americans have more in common with one another than we have against one mm-hmm. another. We're just focusing on this little slice of the pie. I I hope that's right. Yeah. You know, I, I, I fear that that's wrong. I, I noticed like as elections approach yeah. in the last, well, probably since 2008, um, I sometimes, I won't say I fear my friend's points of view, 
Um, but I find myself uh, bearing down and ready. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm. And so instead of like, my mind is open. I'm so curious yeah. what you think. You know, like, <laughs> and maybe you'll sway me in some way. Yeah, I'm kind of like, go ahead, tell me, tell me why a one-term senator can't be president because I am ready, man. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Got my arguments locked down. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I just wonder if I, I'll just speak for myself. I wish I were more open-minded, period. Yeah. And, you know, open to other people's points of view because there's so much I don't understand and I find myself in my mind just deciding that's ignorance and that's fear and racism over there. Yep. And so screw them. Yeah. Yeah. I wish, let's just talk about our wishes. Yeah. I, w- <laughs> <laughs> I wish that I could find a way to feel like... um politics and whether a one-term senator can be president and border separation and all all of the big important topics, I wish I could find a way to have them take up space in my mind and also have space in my mind and, and place equal value on the stuff of life that I think we actually get out of bed in the morning for. And we actually um, exist to, to, appreciate and and cherish and look for and you know it it sounds hopelessly cliched and and like i should be on oprah uh, i i mean if, oh if oprah's listening i will come on your show um in whatever capacity um anyway love right i yes. mean connection beautiful novels art anything that you know moves us and makes us feel seen and you know cherished and like we're going in some direction other than <laughs> spinning our wheels like i when i have conversations with people for for work i interviewed this guy the other day who's on this memorial tour for his wife who passed away and she planned out her whole tour around the country 11,000 miles she planned this out. She planned it out before, before she, she died, and had her husband take this and her t- and their kids um, take this tour of the country, um, like stopping at places that meant something to her or meant something to them as a family, um, and sitting there talking to him. You know, we didn't talk at all about politics. Um, I don't have any idea how he voted. I don't need to. And I have that experience a lot when I'm talking to people for stories, not so much in my regular life, but for stories where we never go there. We never go to Trump or who do you think the Democrats should put up in 2020? We never go there. Um, And I think like, God, this there is so much... um, richness and and beauty and just being human and just connecting with another human and there's so much to connect over um and and i can sit in that headspace for a while and then afterwards later i think like yeah but if we're not challenging you know people on their biases are we really getting anywhere and like you know don't i also have a responsibility to try to you know dismantle the patriarchy and (laughs) you know push back against racism it's like it's all there um but I guess that's if we're talking about our wishes, that's mine is to like find a way for all that stuff to sort of coexist and not outweigh each yep, other yep, yep. or blot out the sun. You yeah, know? so that we can't ever have a discussion about any of it if we're talking about this one piece of it. Right. 
I wish I wish two. Th- I love this wishes thing. Good okay. call. I love this is great um, because it, we're, it, it liberates you. Like you, right? can, well, I just wish. I, I yeah. don't know. It's probably not going to happen. Yeah. Right. It's my birthday. <laughs> so I wish. First of all, I wish people would read that column. Do you remember the, the title of that column or that man? Oh well, it was just last Friday. It's um, so beautiful, man. It was. I don't remember the headline, but um, his name was Chuck Wagner. If you just Chuck, yeah. If you Chuck, if you Google Chuck Wagner, um, and like Memorial tour or something it's you'll find it amazing and it's beautiful and it does take you out of you feel like you're in the alps instead of in the city with yeah. the noise and the track it's beautiful heidi i love that piece thank you so um i wish I, I work with a lot of relationships and more and more in close relationships uh husbands and wives uh girlfriends and boyfriends parents and children there is this harshness to our closest relationships, mm. and um, and I wish that – and this man, talk about pie-in-the-sky absurdity. I wish our relationships were gentler. Mm. Like, you know, I love that. Right? I, I, because I, I think there's, there's – the world feels harsh to me. When I, when I landed back here in Chicago, you talked about the mass shootings, and here's how odd it is. I didn't think about that this morning. So we haven't talked in three weeks. I didn't think about Jeffrey Epstein. I didn't think about the mass shootings yeah. because, you know, so many things have taken their place. Yep. Um, and I don't mean to lump those together as if there's any equity there, you know. Yeah, but uh, terrible uh, news. Right, terrible news. Yeah. Um, but, you know, landing, turning on my phone at O'Hare, the two shootings were the first things that showed up on my phone. Yeah. And I was like, oh. Shit, send me back. You know, like I'm. Yeah. Done, I, I don't want to do this. You know, right. like I, I want to be in America. I know where we're going. Yeah. Here. Um. And and I think that's all an artifact. More and more of us not being gentle with one another. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I think we be we've we're battening down hatches and and we're so territorial and angry that you know I think if we we were gentle and this is one thing I love about your columns, especially recently. There's this gentleness to them. And I don't know if that's deliberate on your on your part, um, but I do find that I'm trying to bring that into the therapy room. Mm-hmm. I use that room, uh, that that word with clients all the time now. Yeah. Like, you know, okay, let's try that again. Yeah. Let's try it. Just be gentle with one another. Yeah. Be sweet. Be kind. Be uh, Act like you care. Yep. You know, instead of like, there's no win here if you win. Yeah. You know? <laughs> right. You know, so... I, and maybe that's true in all of our relationships. If we were a little more gentle and open and understanding, um, you know, my, my wife, Julie, is really good at um, understanding and, and listening to other people's point of view. She hmm. wants to know. Wow. The person who thinks as different from her as possible, she wants to know, like, so Tell me about that. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, so you're 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 an ardent Trump supporter. I want to understand that, you know, and there's something uh, that softens everything, you know, when you want to understand mm-hmm. um, as opposed to like, you know, I, I want to kick your ass yeah. and make an argument about this. <laughs> I'm just waiting for you to pause so yeah. I can start. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm going to give you enough rope to hang yourself right. and then we'll get started. <laughs> yeah, that's admirable. I do feel, I love that idea of, of being gentler with one another. And I, 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 I really felt it last week when, and I wrote about this after Nora Leonard passed away, Kelly Leonard and, and LaBear's daughter. 
the second city executives. Um, <clears throat> she Nor- had, Nora was 17? Nora was 17, mm. yeah. And she had liver cancer and it spread to her lungs. And um, she passed away and we went to the celebration for her life. And it was beautiful. It was like nothing I've ever seen before. Her dad stood on stage and talked. Her mom stood on stage. Her brother, her nurses, her friends from school, her teachers, her cousins, her aunts and uncles. It was wow, absolutely beautiful and funny. I mean, they were funny. Um, they told stories about her where you really, really felt like you knew who this kid was. And it was such a beautiful tribute and so heartbreaking. And also in this weird way you sort of can't even get your head around joyful yeah um but hopeful too i would imagine in a weird way yeah, yeah right like i think these people might be okay i mean they won't ever not have that hole in mm-hmm. their hearts but i think they'll be okay because you looked around this room at these people who just were you know rushing to their sides with support and ready to witness and hold on to their yeah. pain with them and 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 that part felt hopeful right yeah. um and I did think, you know, th- those are that's sort of the opposite experience of a vacation where, you know, it's the it's the worst sort of thing to be going through in life. But it also takes you out of your daily life. Mm-hmm. And it also reminds you, like, what's important and what's not. Right. And it di- and it the whole that whole thing, wa- getting to know that family when I was writing about, you know, her illness and watching the whole Team Nora campaign where all these celebrities were weighing in and picturing, you know, posting pictures of themselves holding Team Nora signs, um, you know, finding out from her dad that she was likely not going to live, yeah. finding out that she did not live, all of it, the celebration of her life. Um, it did make me feel like, gosh, let's just all let's just all be a little gentler. Yeah. You know, let's remember how many people are walking around in pain um, and just go gentler. Right. And I think, you know, to the point of how many people are walking around in pain, um, I've come to believe that to an extent we all are, you know. And so um, judgment, there, I don't know if we have space for it anymore. Yeah. You know what I mean? I really don't. I don't think we do. Yeah. You know, like so we're – we're gearing up for an election cycle, what, a year, well over a year out. Yeah. You know, we started this months ago, so right. it was a year and a half, almost two years out. Um, and I can imagine, because I think we all remember, you know, that this gets ugly mm-hmm. and harsh mm-hmm. for a very long time, mm-hmm. right? And, and and it divides us. All the, Somehow this rhetoric divides us. And there's something about the idea of entering this in, in a gentler way that might even make us more open to ideas, you know, ideas that seem um, absurd, you know, but might just be the right way to go culturally somehow, right? Yeah. You know, um, and solutions that we're not really listening to because because we're angry, mm-hmm. you know, and um, and anger is. I don't know if you probably are well aware of this, but anger is always a secondary emotion. Yeah. You know, it's an artifact of something else. And usually it's an artifact of fear, like, you know, or scarcity. Something's being taken from me. Yeah. You know, so I'm going to batten down. I'm going to hold on to my stuff. Right. You know? Okay. Here's a question I've always wanted to ask a therapist. And here you are sitting across from me. There might be a guy here. I'll go. (laughs) (laughs) Can you check the halls and see if any are walking around? (laughs) No, I read a book a friend of mine gave me when I was going through my divorce. It was called Nasty People. And I don't 
remember the writer, and I'm sorry, I hate to talk about books and not remember the writer as a writer, um, <laughs> but I don't remember. Anyway, it was called Nasty People, and I remember him saying that um, uh, there are so many people who have shut themselves off from their feelings, right? That they, they hate to have an emotion. Yeah. They hate to feel jealousy, guilt, sadness, a whole bunch of emotions. They don't like them. And so when they start to have a sense that one of those emotions that they hate is cropping up, guilt, fear, shame, yep. embarrassment, sadness, sadness, um, they're pissed. They're angry. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, that stupid emotion. I hate emotions. Yeah. And, this, and so they get angry. Yep. And so almost all of their emotions present... As anger, right? Yes. And if you're around one of those people and you happen to be the trigger of some other emotion, one they don't feel like having in that moment, you're you're the recipient then of their anger. Absolutely, right. I, it, did, I, that was brilliant to me. Is that it, and is it like is that stand up from a like, clinical like you, and like you wouldn't believe? Um, and yes, in in families, in relationships. Um, somebody who who is willfully working to shut off from their emotions, the only emotion that's accessible is anger. And I, I fear that people who listen might think we man bash a little bit. Mm-hmm. This tends to be a more male phenomenon. I think we, my gender, we have a harder time accessing deeper emotions. I don't, and in fairness, I don't think we were socialized to do that very well. Right. And, um, and I think we're getting better at that. I hope we're getting better at that. But, but, you know, a lot of guys in my generation and in the generation behind me, um, can't access anything. So anger is what we've got. You yeah. know what I mean, anger is a masculine emotion. You know what I mean? Like that's uh, a stereotypically masculine mm-hmm. emotion. So, and, and families and, uh, marriages kind of create shtick out of this. Like I worked with a family not that long ago, um, had a number of children, and the one I saw, this is our angry guy. This is a, mm-hmm. he's, he's you know he's a curmudgeon. He was when he was little, hmm. and it didn't. It takes no time at all to understand. Like oh, he's really hurting. Like you know, yeah. like he's in a lot of pain. And if you just soften the dialogue a little bit. You can get down to that pretty easily. Yeah. But I think we tend not to do that. We tend to shti- stick with the shtick. Yeah. That's hard to say. <laughs> <laughs> you did it beautifully. Thank you. Um, and and so you create this kind of lifelong disconnect from right. other people, you know, yep. and it's heartbreaking. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then all the people that he'll be encountering and yeah. and directing that, his that, anger that, toward. And those intimate relationships won't yeah. be very intimate. You know, they right. won't be very close. They'll, right. He may he may get married one day or he may be in a relationship one day. But I fear if we don't change that dynamic in him, yeah. then, you know, then that's not going to work very well. Right. Yeah. Okay. Along those lines, here's another one of my wishes. I wish everyone would read this new book, Respect, that I also wrote about. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty much just turning this into a read my column <laughs> podcast, but I don't I don't mean it to be, but I love this book so much. It was called Respect, and it's by this Swedish um, sex educator and author, Inti Chavez Perez. And he has a way of he directs the book at teenage boys um, and he has a way of writing that is utterly absent of shame or judgment or like, okay, you're you're going to do these things that you shouldn't do. So here's how to do them safely. I suppose there's none of that. It's just sort of like it's all about 
sex and consent and relationships, and it's super inclusive. It speaks to heterosexual kids. It speaks to kids all across the LGBTQ spectrum. Oh, it does. Um, How cool is yeah. that? Yeah, that's awesome. Totally. Yes. Um, and I say kids because he says it's for teenage boys, but I honestly think you could be like 57 and read this book and be like, oh, huh. Yeah, I hadn't thought of it that way. Like, oh, yeah, maybe I'll try that. It like it it's so brilliant. But it's his tone and his way of saying like, okay, here's a thing. Um try this. It's going to be fun. Okay, here's a thing that you might be tempted to do to a girl. Don't um cuz it'll make you seem like an asshole. Yeah. Um when actually you're not. You're just attracted to her. Nothing wrong with that. Right. Um you're attracted to her and so try this instead. Like touch her on her shoulder. Um, and get that message across. And get that message clearly. across, and then see how she reacts. Um, maybe she'll lean in. I mean, I'm I'm totally making this up. This is not a, an actual passage, but th- this is the sort of tone, right? Um, you know, there is nothing wrong with being attracted to right. a girl or a boy or whoever you feel attracted to. That is not shameful. That is wonderful. And his Here- angle is not is not a. This isn't a pickup book at all. No. This is this is kind of like. Respect and just feeling good in relationships, right? right? And making everybody feel good and comfortable, everybody including yourself. Everybody feel good, yes. And you're not toxic because you're, yeah, you, you've got a penis, right? Right. It's you, like a celebration yeah. of young malehood and yeah. like how how to like live it up and also do it in a way that like doesn't step on anybody else's. Right. Boundaries, right? Or needs or wants. But yeah. like actually celebrates those too. And right. I don't know. I just it it's really I think it's such an important book. And I hope anybody with um a son or a young man in their life um would feel like they could give them this book. Cause I I, I really think it would if, if everybody read it, I really think so many friendships, relationships, marriages would go better i do yeah it feels like something that has legs it feels like we're talking about gentler and and celebratory it's kind of like you know and, and without shaming anybody it kind of covers all the bases we're talking about yep and that feels great right i mean so so this guy's goal is to inform but it's also like you know celebrate this don't don't create an uncomfortable situation just because this is what you've seen in the movie or this is what you've heard from somebody. Just pay attention to what feels right. Yeah. Right. You know, and, um, and, and what feels wrong. Yeah. You know, like you probably have pretty good intuition. Yeah. He talks you know? a lot about that. Yeah. yeah. About like listening to your gut rather than like wondering how this is going to make you look to your friends. Right. Or, yeah. Right. Yeah. I love that. And you know, it, it's interesting. And you and I have talked about this a lot, that, the age range for something like this and and Michelle Eichert, our, who we both love, asked on Facebook, like, you know, a lot of parents are saying, what's the good age for this book? Yeah. And I'm guessing you would probably say pretty young, right? Because I would absolutely say pretty young. And I have only looked at, I've only read your column. I have not read the book. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's fun. I, I had a experience a couple weeks ago where I was driving a whole bunch of boys um, in my car, not not uh, like an illegal number or anything. They all had seatbelts on. <laughs> but, you know, like my son, his friend, the friend's brother, the other friend with the brother. Anyway, um, and the, a couple of them were a year or two older than my son and then a couple of them were my son's age. He's about to turn 10 next week, actually. And some of the stuff that there, there was a lot of talk about balls, you know, like, oh, you're sitting on my balls. <laughs> and, and, 
so that came out a lot. But then also, like, I don't know if you know this is a thing, but my kids watch Bill Nye in class. Oh, yeah. yeah. So there's all these songs about Bill Nye, the science guy, and there's these weird, funny ways to rhyme his name with things. And, um, <laughs> like, Bill Nye, the Russian spy, Bill Nye, the, anything that rhymes <laughs> right, with Nye, right? right? So Which a lot of things do, as you probably things, learned in that right, car ride. Yeah. yeah. Um, and my kids and I have been laughing about these for years. But one of the boys said... Um, Bill and I between your thighs. And I was like, whoa, that's... Wait, Dude. do you know what that... I'm thinking in my head. I don't say anything because I want him to keep talking. So I want him of to course. F- forget that I'm there. Parenting but, gold, man. <laughs> totally. <laughs> but I was thinking like, do they know what that means? And, and if my son doesn't know what it means, he just heard it. And so yeah. now do I need to like follow up on that and so I just it just was one of those moments where I'm like okay I thought of you because I thought of you know this notion that we sort of wait wait until they're in middle school or even high school to start having some of these conversations but like here's my little nine-year-old just going to baseball practice and hearing Bill Nye between your thighs and I'm thinking Okay, it's starting. Yeah. Or, or maybe it started a year ago. Right. Or- <laughs> kids talk. I mean, kids talk about this stuff. Um, did you happen to see, this is dicier territory, and we don't have a lot of time, but okay. um, <laughs> uh, your teen magazine, I, I talk to them a lot. Yeah. I like that magazine. Yep, I do too. Um, and sometimes they do an ask the expert thing, but what I like better is when they ask parents mm. and um and and a mom wrote in and and she they solicited ideas from other parents somebody brought up the term 69 in the mm. car in mm. the same situation you're describing mm-hmm. girls okay um girls maybe a year or two older than what you're talking about okay and this mom kind of was weighing that because they were kind of throwing it around and she's like i'm gonna tell them what it is yeah you know and so she did good for she, her uh, yeah and she she thought do you guys know what that is uh, and they're like, you know, well, they're I like, think so. <laughs> right. 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 And, yeah. and, and she said, I realized getting out of the car, every kid knew what it was. Right. You know? like, <laughs> so here I am explaining something and every kid's like, yeah. And, but the, the beauty of that was, and what I've come to learn talking to kids about sex and most every other uncomfortable topic is they can handle it. Like yep. if that were my mom in the car a generation ago, yeah. I would have been like, you know, got just pull over. Right. Just let me. Could you, let me there's just... a tree over there. Can yeah. you drive into it actually and just kill us all? Yeah, because this is horrible. But <laughs> kids now, they can handle that talk. Yeah. She said like the kids were like amazing. I'm mortified, but I'm like, I want these kids to know what they're talking about. Well, and to hear it from a grown adult yeah. who cares about them and right. wa- and wants to take them to a good place with it, right? And maybe not everybody in the car did know what it was. Maybe four right. out of the five kids did, right? Maybe right. one out of the five kids did. But maybe someone didn't or maybe someone thought it was a different thing and now they know the real thing. And, like, the thing I always go back to, and I've said this a hundred times, but it's like, would you rather have them hear it from you or would you rather have them Google it? And then suddenly they're watching it in action and it literally. might be, like, literally watching it in action and then, you know, your computer infested with the bug like all all the yep. bad things yep. but so I, you know I, I i've had friends say to me like oh and then she asked blah, blah blah and i said you're too young to know that or we'll talk about that in a year or it, or, or some delay tactic and it's like oh i don't know i don't know if you should delay i think when they're asking go ahead and answer and i don't know if we 
you get to delay. A delay is just in your mind. You right. know what I mean? Like if your child is curious. A delay is now you're not giving them the answer yeah. something else is. A delay Probably is Google. I'll ask my friend or I'll Google it. And right. I'll know I'll know five minutes from now. <laughs> right. And it's gonna be horrible for <laughs> right. me. You know, if you just tell me, yeah. I'll be good. You right. know what I mean? Like, so talk to me about it. You know, that's that's probably the prevailing message from your kids that they're not giving they're not saying directly but they probably need from you yeah so i love that i love the idea of talking to your kids about all of that and i think younger than we younger than you think think yeah yeah a few years younger yeah that Uh, baseball ride was eye-opening for me yeah yeah i um uh i added this little bit to this book i'm working with called the disappearance of the tween I don't know if I've mentioned this here before, but uh, I think that used to be, you know, that 10 to 12 used to be this nice cushion between childhood and adolescence. Yeah. I don't think kids get that anymore. No such you know thing. I, mean? I think it's a hard stop somewhere around eight or nine. Yeah. And, you know, with some shocking, you know, thing that you learn or you see online or you hear from a friend. And so, yeah, as parents, I think we have to be open to talk about it if we're asked. But- also, I love the idea of just like in the car, you know, either joining in or like for sure listening in yeah. and, you know, like and maybe taking your own kid aside at least afterwards and saying, so what you guys were talking about, you know, right. like, you know, <laughs> what do you think? You know, like, what's the Let's deal? Let's talk about Bill Nye. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can start there and work your way to between the thighs, you know? Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But this book is, I mean, what a nice thing to pull out of your back pocket yeah. and either hand your kid or read yourself or, you know. Hand your kid and then say, I want to talk about this later. And we therapists should have this in our waiting rooms, you know, like, you know, so because in my in my office, some people come an hour, half an hour early and the best therapy might be happening out there. Yeah, you know, totally. Yeah. And I used to be such a snob when I had just little kids and I didn't have any idea what it was going to be like to try to raise adolescents. Um, I used to be like, oh, these parents who just hand their kids books, like you should talk about it. Right. You know, face to face. Yeah. And now I'm kind of like, bring me all the books and I will hand them to them. Yeah. And then sometimes we'll talk about it, too. But like sometimes your kid doesn't want to hear you say scrotum, right? Like they'd rather <laughs> <laughs> probably never. Probably, Hardly ever. Probably all the times <laughs> your kid doesn't want to hear you say scrotum, but they they might still have a question about it. Yep. So, you know, there's a book. Yep. Um, which isn't to say you don't talk about the things, but like, I, I think I've completely changed my mind about the idea of like casting your eyes to the ground and handing your child a book. I think it's, uh, I think it is a tool in the toolkit that definitely is I, worthy. I agree completely. And that book feels like one where. Parents should read it, too, because it feels like a fresh take for everyone. Totally. You know, and the idea of making this easier and ordinary and and kind of like, if not joyful, not awful. Right. Right. Yeah. That's pretty good. Not shameful. We have to go in that direction. Yeah. 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 I think so, too. I think we've concluded things. Have we, have we covered I, enough wishes? I think we, <laughs> although I, I'm going to be honest. I want to come back to the wish thing. I, I like think, it. Yeah, li- it opens some doors. Right? Yeah, yeah, right. Let's make it a weekly feature. We'll, I think we will do a little wish thing every week. Okay, good. That's 2.0 right there. Yep. I All like right, it. this is on purpose, guys. Have a great week.